This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Now Luke Shen for the right point, takes a shot, tip, they score! Anthony Beauvillier with the deflection at the net front gives the Canucks a 1-0 lead. Under seven minutes left in the second period, looking to build on a lead. They win the face-up, Pedersen with a one-timer, tipped in front by Anthony Beauvillier. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Lost the puck on the boards, but Besser's got it. Top of the right circle, shoots right on, stopped by Hartsfield. The rebound in front, but he's able to cover it, then they jam it in anyway. Bill T. Giuseppe at the side of the net. The official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks beat the Flyers 6-2 on the backs of a five-point performance by Elias Pettersson tonight. And this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah, Bick Nizar, and Brett Festerling joining us here on the postgame show. Get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650. And Brett joining us now on the post-game show. We saw Elias Patterson. We've seen him all season do his thing. Career high now, 71, 72 points, 71 points on the season. Five points tonight. What, what else can you say about how he played tonight? No, he's, he's taking it to a new level. Like, with all the negatives, I guess, on the year, he's been a real shining positive. He really has. He's taking it to the next level, and it's something when they're, you know, looking at, what mm-hmm. the future looks like for this team, he's really cemented himself as something they can build yeah. around. I mean, he certainly has. And, I mean, his five-on-five production has been outstanding this season. You see him on the PK, even got a couple points now. Now a couple of empty netters too, but, <laughs> hey, did a good job getting both of them, right, Absolutely. sealing the game against the Flyers. But it's also just how he's able to see the ice and how he's able to create plays for his teammates. And tonight, I don't think he gets two empty netters, but considering the amount of chances they generated – it could have been a five-point night before the empty netters even. Yeah, they had a lot of nice little soft area yeah. give and go. Like, Pulvillier, I keep screwing his name up, new guy. But, yeah. like, you know, they had a lot of nice work off the cycle where, yeah. you know, some guys get caught in that cycle and just go, go, go. But they had these nice little give and go into soft spots and really got some good opportunities. I'm hard-pressed to think of what his, his best pass was tonight. I think it's the one in the neutral zone. They flip sky high into the air, and it was like a soccer pass. Just drop it over the top and let a guy run into it because Manko chases it on the wing there. And yeah. There were just so many plays by Pedersen today. Just the, the game went through his stick so often. And even in the defensive zone, just breaking up a play, obviously the empty net goal, chopping a stick and flipping it out. But so often it was the right spot and the right decision and the right play and just constantly creating. Even in, in neutral spots where you think a chance couldn't get created, he found a way to do it. Yeah, he's, he really sees the ice kind of beyond his immediate circle, right? He knows, he seems to know kind of the speed of other guys and he, he gets in those lanes so nicely to, to break up plays or to even make plays. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he had a couple to, uh, to Myers and to Shen, obviously, on that Kuzmanko goal, like just beautiful cross through scene passes. Well, one of the things we were talking about during the intermission was how the Flyers were trying for the most part to take away the middle of the ice, but they weren't really very efficient at doing so. So Pedersen gets all the space on the outside tonight, and then he just picks them apart like you mentioned. He's so patient to wait for a lane to open up, and you saw it on that Kuzmenko goal, the tic-tac-toe play almost of Luke Shenikos. I think all three players kind of realize with the Flyers being overloaded that that backdoor play was open, and Kuzmenko does such a great job of reading it. It just seemed like 
there was a lot of space to manipulate, and Pedersen and Kuzmenko specifically were on the right page all night in, in terms of manipulating that space. Yeah, they, they, they really play well together, and you're right, finding those soft areas, manipulating that space. There's a battle on the wall. Petey keeps it, does the spinorama, right? And then what doesn't give get enough credit probably is Kuzmenko beats his defender off the wall. So right. he gets to the net, and then that's, that's where your easy goal comes from. And you know what? I didn't see Shen making a nice little feathered <laughs> pass back door. I, you know, he's a good player, but I didn't, I didn't see that coming. So good on him. Um, you know, I, I want to say this was the Canucks' best defensive performance under Rick Tockett, and yet I look at the shot clock, and it's 37 shots against. And it's not as, as if it's boosted by power play numbers either because they score quickly on the one and just have one other one. And yet at the same time, I'm, I'm thinking, like, where were all the Flyers' chances? There was a couple of rushes off the flanks, but by and large, like, where would you look at and say how the 37 got created? It was a lot of outside. Definitely in the third period, I noticed yeah. that. A lot of outside. Canucks did, for me, seeing them in person, looked more as a unit back in the middle of the ice, especially yeah. in the D zone. So you're right. They probably gave up too many too many shots, but I think most of those were outside. Mm -hmm. And then there was a lot of little ones. Um, I'm not going to critique Seeloff's performance too much, but he definitely dropped a few sure. or there's right yeah. where he's he's sprawled full full splits in the crease and they get kind of three three right. or four, right? They had like kind of maybe three of those. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of like 20, 10, 12 shots right there. Right. Well, and y y in terms of like the chances Philly created, they, they got credited for 11 high dangerous shots and chances. I think a lot of those ended up being the close shots, like the net scrambles where you're yeah. getting two or three shots in close. But in terms of creating scoring chances, there was a few, right? I think there was the Connecting had a couple chances, but for the most part, they kept the Flyers to the outside. And a player who had a lot of success with the Canucks tonight, scoring a goal and uh, uh, being a real good contributor to the team since being called out from Abbotsford is Phil DiGiuseppe, who now joins us here on the postgame show. Phil, thanks for joining us here after winning 6-2 over the Flyers. Uh, how good does it feel to get this victory after a few losses? Uh, I can't really hear you guys. I hear uh, it's magic playing right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, hopefully we'll get through to you through the magic. But what, what did you think of the team's performance tonight, getting the W? Uh, I think it was a matter of time before we got one of those. I think we've been on the other end of that. So um, it's good for morale, good for the group, and uh, nice to see the pucks go in the net. What's been the, the, the coaching point from, from the coaching staff as far as your role on that line and, and with JT and why it's worked so effectively? Sorry, we got another song on right now. I can't really hear you guys. <laughs> What's been the coaching point from the coaching staff of why you've been so effective with JT on that line and, and why do they keep rolling you out in that spot and, and how you've managed to be successful there? I mean, JT and Brock are two hell of players, so uh, I'm fortunate to be on the ice with them and uh, make some plays with them. You know, JT's a big body, likes to play down low, similar to me. Um, so, you know, we just talk, trying to keep the puck below uh, – the hash marks and work their D, and then obviously when there's breakdowns, um, try to get the puck to the net, and then you know Brock's a great goal scorer. So um, hopefully we can uh, you know keep uh, building together and, and see where it goes. One of the things that's been talked about a lot is you guys' structure as a team and and trying to take away you know the big scoring chances against the other team. Did you guys feel like even though you give up some shots that you protected the net fairly well tonight? I think Artie played well. I think uh, you know that connecting breakaway that was kind of a you know, one of those pivotal moments in a game. I don't know if it was a one-goal game at that point or tied, but, um, you know, already played well. Good for him to get his first win, so we're happy for him. And then, uh, you know, back to coach's points, I think, you know, we stuck together, um, you know, through adversity tonight, um, and you could see it work. So 
Uh, that'll be a good teaching point and something we can learn from. You're someone that's obviously been dealing with both coaching staffs in the in the AHL and here in the NHL. How much is similar from what's happening in the AHL to, to the, the coaching points here at the top level? I mean, two great coaches. Um, you know, I really like Colton. Um, he's been great, and you can see uh, the foundation, you know, we've built down there. Um, and then you see the guys that go, get called up, you know, Podsy's had some very good games, skating well, wants the puck. Oms has been real steady. So, um, you know, Willannon, he's a guy that has been playing really well down there. Sorry, boys, the music's still playing. I'm trying <laughs> to catch my train of thought. Yeah, all good. <laughs> hey, it's, hard, hey. it's hard to do an interview when there's music <laughs> playing in the background. I can imagine. Hey, Phil, man, listen, we appreciate your time. Go and celebrate the win with the boys, and uh, hopefully we'll chat with you again soon. Crank those tunes. Yeah. Thank you, fellas. <laughs> you appreciate your it. time. You got it. That, that's Phil DiGiuseppe for the Vancouver Canucks. Scored a goal tonight, helping the Canucks win 6-2. And, Brett, uh, before we let you go here, I mean, the Canucks haven't had a lot of victories. And since, you know, Taka took over initially, they had some wins. You can kind of tell tonight they've lost a lot recently. I mean, three in a row. And since Christmas, well, since uh, the New Year, Bic, no team has lost more than the Vancouver Canucks. It's got to feel pretty good just to get that get a win when you've lost so many games the yeah. last little while. Yeah, there's a morale in the, in the room, right? So I don't think it's surprising that they've lost a game, especially since the coaching change, as we talked about in the, in the pregame. It's just a lot more yeah. thinking and a lot more – you know, digesting systems and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, you need a win to keep you kind of not motivated, but, you know, keep the energy up and really want to come to the rink and keep learning and keep building on it. Is there a timeline? I, I know we've kind of downplayed the fact that they could do this in, in this stretch of time, but is there is there a timeline where they can understand where, like, will we see a version of a finished product this season or is this just prolonging till day one of training camp? I mean – probably day one of training camp mm -hmm. like this is really a time where you can mm -hmm. where talk and management can we like batch and i talked about just flipping rocks and see what you got really you see different combos you see guys out on the pk you see pp you're really yeah. just seeing what assets you have and if they're ready or you think they're going to be ready and then from there carrying that into trade deadline seeing if you want to keep those or flip those assets that you have mm -hmm. Right, and then if guys can, if you're flipping bigger assets, can guys step into those bigger roles? So, um, I th I don't want to say it's delayed to game to game one next season, but for long term success, it probably is delayed the next season. Because there's the theoretical version of like, hey, play this out and and make it work. And again, in theory, players want to say, hey, I can I, I can be part of this. But yet there's the individual side of it. And from a player's point of view, like, what do you want to hear from the coaches to say, okay, I can buy into this, and I'm not just looking out for myself for these last 26 games? Yeah, I think you need uh, kind of positive reinforcement from the coaches in terms of ice time if you're not, a, right. if you're not like maybe the top six, where if you're kind of pulling on the rope and you're putting in the work, probably exactly what Giuseppe's doing right, right now. Yeah. And he's getting that positive reinforcement from talk and he's getting more ice time and he's getting up. So from a bottom six guy, that's probably what you want to see from a top six guy. Talk. He seems very transparent and that's what they, I think as a player you want, right? Maybe not in the media. I don't know how much he wants to get that. He has been transparent and honest with the media, but with the high, the higher, like, top six guys, you want to know exactly where you stand, and if you need to improve or you want something else out right. of me, 
like let me know or or push me to that spot so i think that's what you want to just really see where guys are at and if they fit in this you know ecosystem in vancouver and if that works Final one, Christian Willanen, uh, he played his first game as a Vancouver Canuck. He had some good moments. I mean, uh, the first goal happens, he picks up a pass uh, in the neutral zone and creates his own entry that lets, leads to the Pavilion tip-in goal. What did you think of the way he played this evening? Yeah, from what I saw, it looked great. He's obviously had a big year, and he's doing well in the AHL. He had some really good moments of carrying the puck, which I like to see. Like mm-hmm. Canucks usually like don't always have that. And he, he had some nice skate from kind of behind in the net to into the neutral zone and made nice passes. There was a couple where I think the, the kind of the nerves of being back happened. The couple where he fired it up to a, to a wide guy when he was behind the net and the team was changing. Yeah. A coach wants you to just wait, get everybody, be patient, and then come up together, and that way you're not completely wasting a puck and just defending. But for the most part, I really liked what I saw. And he obviously has the skill um, – to play at this level, hopefully it's consistency. So I'd like to see him some more. Yeah, no doubt. Brett, great stuff, man, uh, calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor, and we can't wait to get, get you back on again soon. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, always fun catching up with Brett and uh, talking about how the Canucks find a way to win this game 6-2 tonight over uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can grab a phone line as well, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And a lot of reaction is coming down on Christian Willannon and uh, – you know, how he played, and Marcus and Gibson says, well, Lennon looked as good, if not better, than OEL has all year. If they buy him out in the summer, I think we can bridge the gap until management can help get help in on D. And whether that's Lennon or, or somebody else, I understand the sentiment, and that goes back to the whole buyout talk around OEL, but he wasn't playing tonight, and the Canucks won this game. Now, the one thing I would I would say, and Elias Pettersson, brilliant performance. Kuzmenko was great, that line. Bavillier, two goals. Some great individual performances. Sidlovs did enough to help the Canucks win this game. And, you know, to, uh, like Phil DiGiuseppe mentioned when he was on with us, that save he makes on Konechny on the power play, it's a big one. You know, it's a one-goal game at that time. Mm-hmm. He makes it. He made a, made a critical save at a critical time. But it's not like the Canucks outside of the Pedersen line really imposed their will tonight. You know, like they did a good job of defending the front of the net for the most part, not giving up a lot. But it was essentially the Pedersen line. And not a lot. Like, it wasn't... The Flyers are pretty soft. Like mm-hmm. For a torch-led team, that's... I would not want to be in that locker room with back-to-back 6-2 losses. Now, no. this one's a bit more flattering because of the empty nets, but back-to-back 6-2 losses is now four losses in a row. They have one point of a possible eight in the last four games. Yeah, that wasn't that impressive of a performance. I was expecting a lot more. Now, again, the shot total is what it is, and they fired a lot of rubber in that direction, but... I was rather surprised. Um, they just didn't push to the middle of the ice. They, they, they were trying to create in-front opportunities, as Brett was talking about, through rebounds, rather than manipulating defenders. And honestly, like, unless it was wide open, they didn't really showcase a lot of speed. No, they didn't. Not, not a ton. And So I, I'd say the performance tonight, it was some good individual performances for Vancouver. I don't know if the Flyers had a ton you know, to give. They're not a really good hockey team, and Arthur Sillas did enough to help the Canucks win this game here tonight. Now, uh, we are going to get to head coach Rick talking as soon as that becomes available. We'll get to your reaction as the show goes on here, Vic, and uh, we'll get to text inbox here before we get out and come back, but bring it back to Elias Pedersen. Five-point performance, and you can point to the two empty nets uh, goals for him, 
but he could have easily had five points before that. And that line was absolutely buzzing all night. And we mentioned how the Flyers were a bit soft and they just weren't, weren't playing with a ton of conviction. And every time Patterson was on the ice, he was taking advantage of that. And he found seams consistently. I mean, maybe his most impressive play was that maybe that law pass to Kuzmenko. It was so good. It was incredible. He just knew... He gets it by the bench. And he's like, "Hey, I gotta go change." And I can. He he shoulder checks and he sees Kuzmenko open on the flank, and just lobs it perfectly, and it sits perfectly for Kuzmenko to go and chase and get a a chance. And Kuzmenko tries to turn it into a wraparound. Uh, just such a smart play, and there were just so many of those uh, throughout the course of the evening. He had one that he passes to Kuzmenko, he gets it to Myers, and that all starts from the defensive zone just time and time again. When when that line was out there, and just kind of taking a look at the uh, final numbers, when that line was out there, yeah, the ice was, uh, you know, chances were being created for the Vancouver Canucks. And I, I know it gets boosted because of the, the two empty net goals, but look, there's been so many nights where Elias Pettersson is left points on the table because just mm-hmm. some inopportune things have gone down. So it all it, it all washes out in the end, and the numbers get boosted from maybe games where he was a bit uh, short uh, on, on point production. And we'll hear him on After Hours as well because he's going to be joining Scott Oak uh, later, so maybe we'll grab some of that. But Yeah, we'll see what he has to say. I mean, right now, over an 82-game season, and he's missed a couple of games, mm-hmm. but he's on pace for 108 points. Pretty good. Now – you know, if you do missing the two games, you know, take a couple points off. But we're talking about he's on pace to get well over a hundred points this season. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty incredible feat by by a player who last season had the struggles to begin the year and a lot of criticism. And there are a lot of people calling in, texting into this show, saying you got to trade PD. PD's last not December. I mean, last January. A lot was... of these discussions were were, have, were were being had. People were very upset and critical of his playing. Yeah, he wasn't playing well, but it was people questioning: Is this actually is this player actually a star or not? And not only is he having a star level season, he's doing it in all areas of the ice. Heading into this game, Bick, he was sixth in the entire National Hockey League amongst all forwards in blocked shots. Sixth. I still do want to see it become a bit more consistent. Not point production. Here recently in the past seven to eight weeks. Sure, yeah. It's been a bit more high event at times. But, you know, the thing I don't really have concerns about is can he do both? Because he's shown he can do both. Uh, Produce points and be strong defensively. And just where the team is at right now, I just think naturally it's, it's too hard to cover for so many people. So it's going to be high event a bit. But next season is basically the ascension of but, of that next elite status. Whereas this year is the reconfirmation of what he is. Look, this is a Calder winner. This is someone who's made his mark in the NHL, and now it's reestablishing himself into that tier where you start looking at it with someone like Braden Point, or maybe mm-hmm. you push it even higher and say like a, a Sasha Barkov. Do you start making that jump? And if you start doing that... That's rarefied air to join. And I don't think he's too far away from doing things like that. No. because and, and, But, like, putting an offseason, finally have alignment with the organization as far as head coach and you have some stability with that and you know what you're going to become, you know what role you're going to be put into, and it's not about an in, in unstable environment of coaches trying to get two points. I'm not criticizing Bruce for that. Like, that's the situation he was put in. But if you go into this offseason – 
exit meetings with, the, with Rick Tockett and saying, mm-hmm. this, is what, this is what we see for you, and what does the future look like? If you can provide a platform of stability, what does that launch into for Elias Pettersson next season? Well, and that's the big question, like because you can probably find that at a at a higher level. And Pedersen added two even strength points tonight, which puts him at fifty for the season, which puts him in a tie for second most in the National Hockey League, Remarkable behind stuff. Eric Carlson, who has fifty four points. Remarkable I mean, stuff. even strength scoring, he's second in the National Hockey League, and we just go through the numbers and the things that he's contributed in so many different areas of the game. And you're right, there's at least one more level, maybe two, or maybe even three, that he can attain. And honestly, I think there's another peak where he really hits his physical maturity, which may be three or four years away. Mm-hmm. You know, when guys get to their 27, 28, 29 year range and they're really at, at the peak of their performance, like what we see in today's great hockey players, maybe the point totals won't be as gaudy, but the impact could be at another level. And it's pretty exciting watching what Elias Patterson is doing. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox, 650-650. We'll keep breaking the game down. We'll take more of your phone calls as well, 604-280-0650. And we'll have important updates on the out-of-town scoreboard. Oh, yes, we will. We'll tell you everything going on and where the Canucks find themselves in the standings after beating the Flyers 6-2. More coming up in the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Under seven minutes left in the second period. Looking to build on a lead. They win the face-up. Pedersen with a one-timer. Tipped in front by Anthony Beauvillier. He's got his second of the game, and the Canucks strike right away on the power play to make it 3-1. to one. Canucks go on to win 6-2 over the Flyers, and this is the Canucks Central postgame show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. And Anthony Bavillier, another big story in this game for the Vancouver Canucks. Two tallies on the evening, and now he is shooting up. In terms of stock for the Vancouver Canucks, six points in seven games, including four goals. He is outpacing Bo Horvat, who is with the New York Islanders at this stage, and also doing what Bo Horvat did so well for the Canucks pick, and that is tip shots in. It's like the old Bo is a new Bo. Got them both tonight. Yes. And in uh, different ways, too. I uh, really like the first one. Uh Puck gets to the top and times it well and realizes he's not in good position and sneaks through two flyers and gets there. And then the other one, it's such a quick play off of the face-off win on the power play. Uh, he's in the right spot and gets his second tip-in goal. And, you know, one thing he is honing in on a bit more, you heard Talk had mentioned this, playing with Elias Pettersson, simplify your game, play north-south. They really need somebody on that line to be the north-south guy. And he's doing a better – like I thought tonight, he wasn't as much involved in the play – as Pedersen and Kuzmenko were together. But oftentimes, he found a way to contribute to the play. And whether it's to get in on a four-check first or just knock pucks loose, if you do enough of those things, you're going to find space. And when you got Pedersen and Kuzmenko on your line, and we'll get to Kuzmenko and how good he was again. I mean, I know a lot of people are, are referencing the banana he was eating on the bench as being one of the stories of the game because they caught it on video and everything. But it's on the not ice, a normal thing for athletes. Like, tennis players do it all the time. It's fine, but hey, pe- people, people are... Are easily amused. Are fascinated. Are fascinated by, 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 by humans eating bananas, apparently. But that's where we're at. 
with the Canucks season at some at, at some point. But you know, I I'd say what Bavillier has done is pretty impressive, and he's fitting in pretty good. The question is, how much of this can he continue to do, and can he continue to be a a, a solid contributor for this team? But it does open up a lot of possibilities and intrigue about what value he could bring to the club, whether it is as a player or as a potential trade ship next season. I know a lot of people are texting in, are the Canucks showcasing him? I don't think they're not not showcasing him. <laughs> right? Yeah, but I mean, there's think, injuries yeah. and he's got to play somewhere. But I do and think so, profile-wise, like he's not Mikheyev, but there are similarities to Mikheyev. Take a little bit less wheels. Um, not as good defensively, obviously, sure, and two-way intelligence, but north-south type of player. The main profile is the speed, right? Yeah. And what areas of the ice are you trying to get into off of the puck? And that's something he can do, and obviously having some success right now. But certainly I think there's an element of the Canucks aren't going to say, boy, he's really putting us out of this tanker spot or something like that. And they say, hey, it's an opportunity that he's raising his profile and producing. Because this is a player that I think a lot of people looked at and said there is more offense in this player. Maybe a regular 45, 50-point player, but being in the island, they play a certain style for so many years. Maybe the offense was capped for them. The, the offensive opportunities were capped. Maybe in a little bit more open, creative team, you can see a higher offensive ceiling. I'm not talking like a 65-point player all of a sudden, but... If he puts up like a, a on a rate for 20, 30-some-odd games here that's similar to a 50-point player, certainly that will grab the attention of some teams because he's got the type of skills uh, that can be a point-producing player. Yeah, he does. And we were talking about this during the intermission. And if you start building out and looking at how can this trade really benefit this Canucks organization when they move Bo Horvat, obviously Aturatu is going to have to be a, a contributor long-term. The first-round pick... Has to be if it's a hit. If it's a top 15 pick, really want that one to be a prominent member of your team for for many, many years. And does Anthony Bevilier become a either a player who's part of the future one way or another or become the player like we often reference in other trades that Canucks have made in the past that extends the trade tree where Bevilier became X, which became Y, which ended up helping the Canucks do this in a few years? That's how you start getting to the type of seminal trades that change an organization. Hey, we're years away from determining whether this trade does that or not. But if you look for a pathway to that, that's how it hits. All three of those factors becoming something long-term for you. Absolutely. And again, it, it opens up other avenues too. Obviously, the Brock Besser rumors will always persist. Maybe that materializes before March 3rd. I'm highly skeptical. I'll put it at a 15% chance that it actually comes through prior to the trade deadline. But come the off season, different story. And if you need, you know, real NHL bodies, Anthony Bavillier is one. So it allows you to do something where you, you don't have to look at this and say, hey, who are we boosting up? Do we have to put Curtis Lazar in a top six role just because we're moving bodies out? Well, now Anthony Bavillier is there. Ilya McKay will come back. Andre Kuzmenko is there. Vasily Pitkoles and Nils Hoaglander, right? Like there's bodies yeah. uh, that can try to jump up in a offensive opportunity uh, in a, a lineup that should have, you know, Elias Patterson, maybe JT Miller down the middle, maybe 
someone else should they have some lottery luck. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? And he who shall, be, shall not be named. He who shall yet. not be named. But there are a couple who shall not be named, yeah. potentially. That, that's how good this draft is. So it may not just be about winning the first pick. Can you get one of the top three picks, really? A lot of reaction on the on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Keep your thoughts coming in. The G-Man says, hey, guys, PD is amazing. Miller with three more passes right in front of his own net. I didn't love his performance tonight, JT. One of the things that the coach has spoken about a lot is puck management. Mm-hmm. And I thought for the most part, even though you know, you know, they got outshot, they did a good job of not falling apart and giving up the egregious scoring chances. But puck management, I thought, was a struggle for a few players, no more than JT Miller, though. There were multiple moments. Yeah, the G-Man's not and exaggerating, saying three like passes up the middle. There were at least three up the and middle. And these aren't in the offensive zone either. No. We highlighted one in the first intermission where he's come from behind the net trying to accelerate away from from two uh, flyers and just loses the puck. And it lands right on the stick of Travis Konechny. Had a chance later in the third period in the corner, throws it right in the middle. And it's not as if a flyer snuck around someone and got there. He was trying to hit the far winger. But there was flyer in the way. And it's, yeah. It was perfect tape to tape, to be honest. If it was in the offensive zone, you think, wow, what a great low-high pass. It was right to a guy who got a quick shot off, and Seelofs turns it away. There's a couple other ones. Um, some in the neutral zone. Obviously, the goal against, too, flips it out of the zone. Not a very good flip that gets gloved down, and they, they wind up creating the goal. But it was mostly a, a, a struggle for JT. And again, it, it's the thing, too, Sad. It's, I'd understand if it was under pressure and forced, but a lot of these are unforced, and that's the thing. It's... Those are the ones that are beyond frustrating, right? Yeah. It's like it's. I understand you're under pressure. Things happen. You're tired. It's. Is it just habit wise? Does he get tired? Is he is he mentally tired and then just habitually making these types of mistakes? I mean, could that be it? And that's something we have discussed. That's it's not hard a good enough excuse. No, it's like, not good enough. But I'm just saying, is that the? Re- Sometimes yeah. we're trying to find the reason. It's not an excuse. It's just why would you do that? And it just looked like his head wasn't where it needed to be. That's what it looked like tonight in terms of his game. So I, I don't I I can understand where G Man is coming from sending that. End text of the day in. though, two assists. Two. I mean, he got a couple points. Uh, th- this text unsigned. I'm not saying we should not be happy with the overall effort for the Canucks. I'm just saying let's remember it's the Flyers. No, of course, of course. And we we discussed that. We we did talk about that, saying, you know, it's not like the Flyers are a great team. The Canucks have won a lot of games. They're not going to win a lot of hockey games the rest of the season. And uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that. They have 26 games remaining now. They they got one win here. For them to get more than 10 from this point on is... Wins? Yes, more oh, than like yeah. wins is, is, is asking a lot. It's and I know they tough. have some eight easy games coming up, but... Yeah, I mean, they're not a good hockey team. They, they have a lot of troubles tonight. And even Arthur Silovs, and I'm not trying to be critical, but I thought he did a good job. He made a number of big saves. But you can tell, like, it's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Like, he's nowhere near being the finished product yet, and he needs more time. He did the best he could, but could you imagine if they faced a team like the Rangers again tonight that was going to lean on them and force mistakes? It probably would have been a bit tougher. Uh, and and for the, the earlier texture, too, it's like, hey, let's look at the big picture of what we're doing. Uh, the out-of-town scoreboard just wrapping up. The Arizona Coyotes were down 5-1 at one stage versus... The L.A. Kings, they came all the way back, forced a shootout. Wow. It just wrapped up. Kings do win. So Arizona manages to get one point at the very least. So they will have 47 points. Canucks will have 48. So Canucks do move out of the fifth-best lottery odds into the uh, 
sixth best lottery odds, but nevertheless, uh, Arizona managed to get a point. San Jose took it late, uh, but they ultimately do lose in regulation to Buffalo, four to two. Uh, those are the two big ones. But right now, uh, it's it's really close between Arizona, San Jose, and Vancouver, and Montreal for that matter. Five points separating those four teams. And honestly, just to, for the sake of it, Anaheim, Columbus have 40 points. They share the best odds, uh, or best points percentage right now. Anaheim's got the best odds. And then Chicago is 39, but they have less games played. Um, or sorry, more games played. No, less games played. That's so the points percentage are higher, uh, and it's 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 close. But I still think the race is between San Jose, Arizona, and Vancouver for fourth best lottery odds. Yeah, I kind of say that's where they find themselves, right? And a lot of games remaining still. I mean, mm-hmm. a third of the season is still remaining. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of hockey games still still to go, and the schedule's tough through the rest of this month. March has some uh, tough moments as well. A lot of easy games down the stretch and heading into April, and we'll see ultimately where the Canucks find themselves in the standings. Uh, let's keep going back into the text inbox, 650-650. This one here, Bester's wrist shot on goal on the PDG goal, that has rookie Brock written all over it. Uh, Brock Besser has found a way to pick up some points tonight. I mean, he had one assist uh, on, that, on the shot that uh, the texter is talking about. What did you think of his game tonight? Uh, he got moved back up to playing with um, Elias pa- with uh, JT Miller this evening. I noticed him a lot more along the wall and in in defensive plays. And and this is the thing with Brock too. It's he is very good at recycling possession and being in the right spots. And he, look, he can play a heavy game along the wall. We've seen him do it, and he was so fantastic in the North Division year. Like early on in the game, uh, the the Brock PDG Miller line had the best shift early yeah. on in the game. Really prolonged chances and engineered two chances for JT Miller actually to try to score. Also produced net front scramble, but it all starts by Brock disrupting Konechny on a breakout, and then obviously on the PDG goal. It's Brock who grabs the puck off mm-hmm. the wall, skates it downhill, and that's the texture referencing the shot. It's all well and good. Like, Brock has the shot, but it's all the other stuff that you want him to get his feet moving, start winning plays along the ice. More and, engagement. Yeah, and that's the stuff I noticed from Brock tonight more so than that shot, which is obviously, look, it, fans want to see goals, and that's what Brock can do. Uh, shoot the puck really well, but it was, it was all the other stuff that uh, was noticeable from Besser tonight. Yeah, I mean, a solid game all around for him as he got – promoted up to play with JT Miller and Phil DiGiuseppe, who got a goal here this evening. Now, the head coach Rick Tockett had a lot of positives to say about Phil DiGiuseppe, and we'll see if he's asked about him post-game. And the Canuck, who got his first win tonight, was Arthur Sidlaws between the pipes. Uh, and here is head coach Rick Tockett being asked about his, his, his team's performance and the performance of his netminder. Yeah, it was, uh, he battled hard. You know, it's nice to see. That's what you're looking for, your young kids. Um giving them another start and just battling and think that. And the team has lost uh, a bunch of games. It's out of the yeah. race. How, how far does a moment like that go in making guys feel good? I mean, we need some positive stuff around. It's been kind of negative and, um, you know, we need, you know, some positive stuff. And what's positive for me is that we, we worked on our D zone coverage the other day and we had a good practice. And I thought defensively that coverage, you know, we're not perfect, but I thought it was a lot better. Um, so just goes to show you if we can, you know, just chip away a little bit, uh, certain things, but I really wanted to work on doing coverage. I didn't like it against the Rangers and, uh, that's a positive for me, the way they, uh, they responded after practice. Still going on the trip. 
I think so, yes. I, I have to talk to Patrick. Will you, will you take three or will Demko stay? Oh, I, I, uh, I, I, Demko had a maintenance stay. We'll see if he's going to practice tomorrow. But, um, you know, he's close. It's just a matter of uh, probably have to get another practice in and see if uh, he starts on this road trip. But I, I, I definitely will go. Rick, you guys haven't played with the lead an awful lot yeah. since the All-Star break. Yeah. Uh, this team, over the course of the season, had trouble protecting leads. What did you think of the way you played in the third? Yeah, I mean, Philly was pushing there. And when they push, you, you really got to – you got to come up with those wall battles, and you got to come up with some really good defensive plays. And I thought for the most part we did. We still got to get better on the walls, um, but uh, they were pressing. Thought we made some good plays out of it. Um, it was a tight game till the end. Beauvillier with two goals tonight. What do you make of the way he's fitting here? Yeah, he's just he's uh, he was fast tonight, more north south, you know, and uh, that line was good. You know, I didn't. That's what I like about P's line. Uh, you know, I didn't like their first two periods against the range a lot of turnovers and I thought tonight they responded and they had a really good game I think Kuzi's you know Sergey's been working with him and we've been working with him and he's ch- he's chipping away at his game like I thought Kuzi was you know like he's playing and he wants to learn that's what I like about him he's not pouting or nothing and uh you know he's getting rewarded what have you seen from him to get him into that spot that maybe you hadn't been seeing Kuzi? even a week ago yeah. well he's just he's <clears throat> His game management, the way he's, you know, he's coming back in his own end. Um, he's learning the system. You know, all fairness to him, you know, he's, he was playing a little different. Um, he's just more conscientious without the puck. Um, but he's, you know, every day he's with Sergey. Like he's, he's actually going, seeking out Sergey now. That, that, I love guys like that. You know, the self-starters. Like we don't have to find him. He's finding Sergey. So that's the players I like on the team, and he's, you know, he's buying into that. Patterson hits a career high in points tonight. What have you seen out of him since you joined this team? Yeah, he's a multi-talented guy. You know, he's um, you know he's a guy that you know I gave him the A, and I think he's starting to learn how, what to be a leader. Time and place, when to go and when not to go. You know, um, you know he's still learning that. You know, um, you know, I love the guy, but there's some times where you can't hit home runs all the time. And I thought tonight he managed the game a lot better than he did the first two periods, and uh, it's a learning experience. And but, you know, how can you not? He's a multi-talented guy. Love the guy. Ever seen a guy get uh, two empty net short-handed goals in a single game before? Uh, well, I've been in the league about 35, 40 years, so I've seen, I've, yeah, I've seen some weird stuff. But, yeah, good for him. Did you see Kuzmenko eating his banana on the bench? No, I didn't see that. Did he? <laughs> Nothing amazes me with him. <laughs> Rick, out on the road trip, you had fairly high praise for Vasily Pachols when he came up. It's been a little quieter around him of late. Where are you with with his performance right now. Yeah, it's it's hard to sustain, you know, that level when you're a young kid. All fairness to him, you know, I just went with near the end, you know, I wanted to I went kind of with three lines and he was just on the it wasn't nothing that he, it wasn't anything that he did wrong. Uh, I just I wanted to go with three three other lines and um but you no, know, he's a he's definitely a kid that I really lo- you know, love the kid too. He's a kid that wants to learn and uh you know, he'll 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 get it back. He'll be he'll, he'll I'll get him some ice time. You've talked about liking Dean Giuseppe and the way he's yeah. played since he came up. Nice to see him get rewarded for the opportunity you've been giving him here. Yeah, north-south guy, you know, you know, and he's uh, he's making the most of, of his opportunities. Um, you know, uh, he's kind of an underdog guy. I like that. And, uh, you know, just, now it's hard to sustain it, right? And uh, so we'll see if, you know, if he can sustain it. But, yeah, I like the way he's kind of bought into what we're trying to do here.
That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 6-2 win over the Philadelphia Flyers and uh, giving some uh, uh, praise to a number of players tonight. Was that a uh, north-south interview? In and out, straight to the point. Four minutes and 30 seconds? Four minutes. And you know what? Uh, Not a lot of superlatives. You know, he gave a little bit of praise. It was direct. He, He cut to the chase, in and out. You know, got to the key areas. Got to the key areas and got out. And you know, you know, you know what Captured I like. the synopsis of each question. You know what? I, you know what I thought I liked and I thought was interesting is because we, we talked about this game and and texters were saying it as well. It's like, hey, let's the fires are not overly impressive. Yeah. You know, Silabs was okay. And you were mentioning as good as Patterson's been recently, there are areas of his game where he can still be better with puck management and his some of his two way play, despite having the ability to be really incredible in that. And that's something, despite putting up five points tonight, that. Talk had mentioned that the other game against the Rangers didn't love his game and the consistency, and this is more in line with what you want to see from him. And that's the type of bar you want to have for players like Pedersen. It's like, yeah, you had five points. It was good, but you can still get better. There's still areas of your game that can improve, and we we know what the great players look like, and as good as you are, you if you want to get there, if you want to get to the Crosbys, McDavid's, you want to be in that breath, well, you still got some work to do. And it's more about consistency for yeah. me. It's not that he can't do it. Well, we, we know he's capable. He's absolutely capable of it. It's just I want to see it merge in one game for a stretch of 15 to 20 where you're on top of the puck both ways. Yeah. Like we're a game removed talking about him being on the wrong side of Jacob Truba and allowing the puck into the middle of the ice in the defensive zone. So it's it's that sort of stuff. And again, he can do it. It'll it'll happen whether it's this season, next season. It will happen and you'll see another gear for Elias Pettersson where it's constantly on the right side of the puck, engineering turnovers, allowing his wingers to get speed and facilitating play, burying goals. It's all on the way. But that's now that's the challenge of creating those 15-20 game samples where we look back and say this guy's something else right now. Right now, you probably put him in a conversation, you know, easily top ten center. Easily, it's more about you know, top thirty player. How do you get to how do you top get, ten player? How do you get top fifteen? Right, and and that's the challenge that, that they're gonna yeah. put in front of them this off season. Say, hey, your next jump is top fifteen player. What kind of work are you going to do to put it in? I'm sure Petey's going to look back at them and say, "What kind of work are you going to put players around me too?" Yeah, well, and yeah, you want me to commit long term. Yeah. Like, where do you want to put it? And because right now he's eighth in the league in scoring with 71 points. He's what? He's he's five points away from being in the top five. Four points away from potentially being in the top five. He can finish in the top five in scoring this year, and he still has levels to go. And offensively. it's a down year to to some degree because he's not producing. Uh, on the power play, not, and he has a score. He's not scoring yeah. goals on the power play to the same degree he has in the past. I mean, it, it's five on five scoring. He has two power play goals on the season. It's unbelievable. It, it's incredible. He so only one player in the top fifteen scoring in the NHL has two power play goals or less than fewer than four power play goals. That's Leo and Pedersen. And sorry, I, I didn't say down year, but but I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, there's meat on the bone as we've said. Yes, exactly. There's a lot more that he can do, and it goes beyond just the point production, which you've talked a lot about, and. I don't mind if he scores less and he's more of an impactful mm-hmm. player. So the exciting thing about Pedersen is there's so many different areas of growth to his game that you can't just look at it and say one part of his game is going to define it. And that's the thing that I, I'm really looking forward to seeing grow more as time goes on. What's interesting is I, n- I shouldn't say I never, but I, I, I was skeptical we'd ever see a 100-point season from him. Now he's on pace for it, and I know scoring is up across the league. 
But the ability to cross that marker tells me that if he needs to in a game, maybe they're down a goal or maybe whatever the style of the game is, he can push the tempo and try to create offense on his own, which is very exciting. And then we see he can play it both ways. So now whatever style of game is being played, because as much as we map out and this team can do this, games are going to take on their own script. Yes, games and are, now especially like, hockey. Yeah. yeah, now it just feels like he's going to be able to play in any style of gl- game, and that versatility is going to be huge because if you need a 6-5 game and it just manifests that way, he can put a point to the best of them. If it's a tight-checking game, that version of him is going to be there as well. Yeah, th- they're game-proof type players. Mm-hmm. Whatever game is, he's, he's going to be able to make an impact, and, and that's the type of players you want to have, especially if you ever get back into the postseason and want to make a difference. Those are the guys you make a difference with. Uh, a lot of reaction in the text inbox. Marcus and Gibson says, Shen's value is rising. Luke Shen, two more two points tonight. Did he get a third that I missed out on? I know he got two. He got three points tonight. So he's up to 21 points on the he season. He got one on the shorthanded yeah. empty in there. Yeah, he has 21 points on the season. One away from his career high of 22 points, and he's 33 years old. It's 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 quite the late career renaissance for Luke Shen. We'll get into that more of your text messages. We'll hear from Canucks players post game after a 6-2 victory over the Flyers. A Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to more Canucks Central post game show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. That will definitely be an honor. Uh, but for me, uh, I don't want to stress or um, rush into a decision. I've never been a captain. Um, I mean, I guess everyone knows I'm a pretty quiet guy. So uh, it's just, it would definitely be an honor. But I want to, um, how do you say? Uh, take my time thinking about it in the summer and make a decision. That is Canucks forward Elias Pettersson. When asked on After Hours by Scott Oak uh, whether he wants to be captain of the Vancouver Canucks or not. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. After a 6-2 win over the Flyers, Elias Pettersson, five points on the evening, including two goals, both into a, into an empty net to help the Canucks win this evening. And we'll have some more clips from Pettersson. He did meet with the media post game. We'll play that coming up a bit later. And he was asked by Scott Oak, about his future in Vancouver, which we'll play coming up in a bit as well. And we are going to hear from Anthony Bevilier, who somebody asked us in our text inbox, is he out pointing Bo Horvat right now? Dunbar Lumber, 650-650. Oh, yes, he is. He has six points in seven games, four goals, whereas Bo Horvat has five points in seven games. No, four points in seven games, three goals and one assist. Hey, it's just seven-game samples. That's all. Fun with small samples, that's all. I sat saying that because I'm shaking my head over here. Yeah. Because I, sh- I shook my head earlier in the season when everyone texted in. It's like, Jason Dickinson's got six points in the opening seven, and JT Miller's got one. And I was just like, calm down, everyone. And sat doing again, and I'm shaking my head here. So I'm well, being consistent I, about hey, it. Hey, n- number one, Bavillier, uh, I would say, is a higher grade player than, than Jason Dickinson. Um, And, you know, I was kind of just asking you, I'm like, hey, for the rest of the season, Bavillier and Bo Horvat, like how different is is their point production going to look potentially if Bavillier keeps playing with Elias Patterson? And we've seen anybody plays with Patterson, they're going to reel in points. And if Bavillier sticks there the rest of the season, could they have a similar point out, output by the end of the year? Horvat and and Bavillier? Yeah, 
Because I mean, no, and and, and again, what's I, the spread? What's the spread on Horvat points over Bovillier? Ooh, it's probably like five and a half. Five right? and a half, or four and a half. It's probably five points because you have to bake in what's already happened. The, yeah, and the Islanders also are lower lower scoring team. Mm-hmm. And but by think, by virtue of that, they're going to score less. Like I, th- I think nobody was expecting Bo to score as much as he was in Vancouver on the Islanders team. Like that's just not how they play as a team. So I think that's something you have to bake in. And Vancouver scores a lot of garbage points. You know they're a high high event team. They have been. And the rest of this year, Bavillia may have a chance to reel in a lot of points. I mean, it might be close. Uh, how many games do the Islanders have left? Twenty three. Yeah. Canucks have twenty six. Yeah, Bo's got some work to do there. Yeah, he's got, you know, he gets three fewer games. That's all. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. Um, D from Abbotsford thought Will Landon played well tonight uh, on his call up from from Abbotsford. Good positional play, moving the puck, etc. Happy for him. That's D and Abbotsford texting in. Uh, more takes coming in on Bavillier as well as you would imagine, which we'll get to as the show goes on here, and we're going to hear his audio post game. But you know, as we were just mentioning, I think it's interesting. This team scores a lot, even under Talkett, mm-hmm. despite the fact they're trying to be better defensively. And, you know, one of the ta- things Talkett mentioned was is he thought tonight, defensively, they were better. They were still giving up some chances, but not to the same degree they had been given up in prior games, even against Rangers. But being better defensively, they still found a way to score six goals. Now, two went, went into an empty net, but, you know, th- this team scores a lot. They have all year. Even with Rick Talkett at the helm, they found a way to score a lot of goals, except for that game against Detroit. Helps when you got good offensive players like Andre Kuzmenko. Well, you know what? Patterson. You want to talk about Kuzmenko for a moment here? Sure. Uh, be, so, I know a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the reaction has been on him uh, drinking uh, a Coca Cola and having uh, a banana and Chris a Coke. And, apparently, I don't know. Chris and Duncan says, "Forget vanilla Coke and cherry Coke. Banana Coke is where it's at." Uh, is Chris texting oh. in and and others texting in about uh, Kuzmenko having a banana? Uh, during the game, and even Rick talking, he wasn't quite sure what was going on. And somebody texted in that, that I agree with and said, what's this fascination with Kuzmenko eating a banana? I don't get I, it. I honestly don't get it. I agree with that text message. It's got potassium, magnesium. It's good for you. And that's great. Like I, I get that it's a visual thing, and, and people love visual things, right? It's like, oh, a shiny object. You know, that's funny. <laughs> but his play on the ice was pretty spectacular tonight. And it and maybe he kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Silovs gets his first win. Pedersen has a five-point game. But Rick talk at postgame saying, this is a guy who is seeking out Sergey Gonchar for direction. I love that. Like He's a self-starter. He wants to get better. He's all in. He's completely buying in. He's completely engaged. You see his, his more dedication. He says... Uh, Talk had mentioned his value plays are better. Like he's many, making better puck management decisions. He's more been conscientious tra- with more puck. conscientious. He's been uh, tracking back a lot better as well, or at least showing a desire and a willingness to mm-hmm. do those things. He's not going to be perfect overnight. It's going to take some time to figure all this out. But the thing about Kuzmenko is there's a real hunger to learn and get better, and not just to go out and score points, be a effective hockey player. Like him buying into, I need you to do less to be more. That's huge. And I think it shows you the type of person he is. And in terms of not only his desire to be good individually, he's a good teammate. And I think those things matter because now he's buying into a plan and he's trying to move forward with the organization moving forward. And I think those are real positives. And I couldn't be more impressed with a guy coming over in his late 20s from Russia after having success and not just coming in and expecting to be good, 
to come in with the type of hunger a rookie comes in with and somebody who's been toiling in the minors who finally gets a taste of being in the National Hockey League and for him to do that coming over from the KHL I'm just very impressed by Andre Kuzmenko he's likely going to put up 30 goals this season so it's a fantastic debut just from the goal scoring department let alone the overall point production and look there was a couple of moments where I tried to keep an eye on him in the defensive zone and one that really stood out to me look it's a nothing moment but you just look for things that are shaping into form here for him goes to the point and so he kind of closes down the puck just goes around just forces yeah. a pass and the D-man and I totally blanking it may have been Braun on this particular play kind of s- slips out of the zone just kind of make sure you're playing center field and Kuzmenko sags back into the middle of the zone but you can see him do a shoulder check just to make sure okay I saw him leave the zone where is he re-entering back into the zone as the puck goes low and then was able to position his body in a spot where he's keeping an eye on the play, but knows if it comes around to Braun, I can push out and accelerate. And sure enough, he does and just forces a pass again to the wall, put into a, a harmless area and, and help pressure the, the demon. It's just stuff like that they look at and say, don't lose your, your I don't want to say gap control, but your, your positioning and know where you have to try to close down on and how far you have to go and where you're – point man is yeah. trying to floating towards just something like that where you're you're, you're you're keeping your head on a swivel and you're still being effective in your D zone that's the sort of stuff that I think that's going to rate really well for Rick Tockett well and if you can do that stuff and score and kind of force you will the way that line was doing it offensively, I think that just kind of creates another level of possibilities here for him as a player and the last thing you want is to be a skill player who's not going to play when the game matters. And I'm not just talking late in games. Mm-hmm. I'm talking in the postseason. Are you going to be a guy that's going to be able to play, or are you going to get healthy scratched or get moved down? And you don't want to be that player that was really good in the offensive end and has good regular seasons, but come postseason, you're not going to lean on that guy. Uh, jokes for 60, 650, 650. Call from the caribou. Banana. Cheech used to sneak a hot dog on the bench. Legendary. <laughs> Yeah, that is fantastic. This text, unsigned, he will be as good as Panarin. I'm not sure as good as Panarin. Panarin's incredibly good, but the he's, skating's he's really a bit good. different. Yeah. Like, I, I love what he's done, and I, he's an incredible player. Panarin's like next level. But hey, you know what? First year in the NHL, we'll see ultimately what he does. Dino says Kuzmenko is the uh, Russian Kessel hot dog next. So, hot dog go. jokes per 60 flooding in right now. <laughs> Can we talk about how PD head shaking with Kuz had a banana? He's so sassy, is one text message. Now, we are going to play Elias Patterson. I know. Uh, they, they're loving this stuff, man. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, the stuff that people love. Miller should play with PD and Kuzmenko or Bavillier most games for the rest of the season would be a, a sound business decision from Canucks management hinting at some of the stuff out there about JT Miller and teams calling Vancouver inquiring about the player. Now, Anthony Bavillier, well, he got two goals on the evening, now has six points in seven games with the Vancouver Canucks, four of those being goals, and he met with the media postgame after scoring two and helping the Canucks win 6-2 over the Flyers. I thought it was good. I thought we uh, did a lot of good things. Um, that fourth goal for us was, was big in the, in the third period. I thought we uh, played with the lead um, really well in the third, you know, simple game. And, you know, there's still some, some holes in our game, but I thought a, a lot of positive tonight and uh, worked hard and, you know, capitalized on our chances. So it was good overall. When you tip that second goal of yours, I mean, when Petey's unloading like that, are you just sort of hoping? Is it? I mean, it, it, it could have gone either way, I feel like, but uh, I, I feel like that was pure luck, and uh, I'll take it, though. 
you got two on the night and the post as well. Did you think that one yeah. had gone in? Or? No, I thought it was, I like my shot there. I thought it almost kind of hit the net and uh, hit the post and go in the net. But, I mean, um, it happens, I guess. I'm going to miss some shots. Gonna Some of the shots are going to go in. Sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. But, yeah. I know things hadn't been going for you at the end with the Islanders, and then you get a trade like this. How important is it for your confidence to step in and, and produce right away? Oh, I mean, I think it's huge. Um, I'm been given a great opportunity here to uh, produce and perform well. You know, on the line with uh, Petey and Kuzi uh, lately, and uh, being in the power play. I mean, um, it's huge. I'm trying to make the most of it, and um, I appreciate every every second of it as well. What's it been like uh, playing with Patterson? Uh, it's just, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, he he's so smart out there. And, uh, some plays he does, you wouldn't you wouldn't think he anybody can make. I feel like uh, his high Q is really high, and you know, uh, defensively super smart and offensively as well. You know, he can shoot, can pass, he can. Um, been really enjoying every every second of it. Seems like the chemistry has come pretty quickly for you guys as a line. Yeah, it was, I, I feel like we uh, a couple of things we have to work on. You know, keep talking and stuff. You know, little little pucks, little plays that we um, I feel like we can get better at. But overall, I think uh, um, game after game, I think it's been it's been a little better, and um, it's 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 been it's been fun. Uh, it's been fun that way. You know, you know, we're, uh, working with each other, talking, and trying to you know find the best chemistry or more chemistry. Is there an adjustment process when you're trying to fit in with a guy that has such high uh, IQ in terms of understanding where he wants wants you to be in the offensive zone, or is it has or is it usually a pretty simple thing? Um, I mean, you know, Petey's such a great guy. I mean, he down to earth and he's he, he wouldn't say anything. You know, I mean, he he's just uh, super smart out there. I'm just trying to read off of him and you know do my thing and then trying to create some room for him to do his things and uh, I think we can uh, that's how we we've been at our best lately uh, by doing that that is Canucks forward and Anthony Bavilia I almost <laughs> I almost said Antonio Bavilia no, I thought you were going to say Anthony Banana Villiers <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Banana no I'm not saying Anthony uh, well you know what Anthony Bavilia uh, and he mentioned Elias Patterson and we, we'll get to more Patterson audio as well five point performance and down to earth, quiet guy, and you know, great leader. And Bavilia is obviously making the most of his opportunity. But right now, in our text inbox, the reason we're laughing, Bic, is jokes for sixty. They're we love them, and they're coming in fast and furious right now. And the banana narrative, as much as we try to push back against it, the banana boat has come. We're on it, and <laughs> we can't do anything about it. Uh, this one here, uh, unsigned. If Andy Coos keeps playing like this, somebody send him a case of bananas. Hashtag endorsement deal. That's one. Bruce texting us uh, online or tweeting us uh, on Twitter. As far as I'm concerned, Kuzmenko can have a buffet and open bar behind the Canucks bench <laughs> if it means he plays that well. <laughs> That's great. In this text, uh, how does cracking up? If Panarin is bread man, does that make Kuzmenko banana man? <laughs> <laughs> Night at the Raj, Minion Association. If the Canucks marketing team isn't all over this, then Aquilini better not complain about lost COVID revenue. Strong. <laughs> That's a great text. That's a great text. And you know how we say Austin and Langley catch a stray sometimes? Well, he just got one from Tyler. I blame this win on Austin and Langley. He must he must have he mustn't have been watching. Where is his dedication to the tank? Austin Leaving catching strays. Wins. <laughs> Oh, brother. And again, since the start of this calendar year, nobody has won less than the Vancouver Canucks. Facts only. Yes. They have 13 points in that stretch. That's least in the league. Washington Capitals are next closest at 
15. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, per points percentage, they are also the least. Uh, Arizona Coyotes are next closest. But the Coyotes, sat have points in eight games in a row. They have manageable losses in this recent stretch, <laughs> yeah. and they actually have wins in this recent stretch. Eight games in a row, they have picked up points. Uh, tonight, uh, a massive come-from-behind shootout loss, but nevertheless, uh, they are picking up points right now. Uh, they are, and that's why it's... Hey, the Canucks are going to win some games. It's going to happen. How many they win? Still very much up for debate, despite beating the Flyers 6-2 this evening. Again, 13 points in 20 games since it's- the calendar... That's sixty. F- that's what, what uh, three twenty-five hockey. Hey, wow! Quick mass. Well done. Like legit, <laughs> right on the money. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll pull a good one out. That was impressive. Uh, this one here, unsigned. It would make sense if the Canucks don't bring Shen on this road trip with a potential trade happening. Let him be with his family. It's only a two-game trip. A trade has to be close for that to happen, and I don't think the reason. Other players are being healthy scratched for trade-related reasons is because they feel like a trade is close, or at least was close. I don't think that's the situation with Shen. Now, Honestly, something it's, it's taken a little bit longer than I thought in Arizona and Columbus once you start scratching guys. guys and it still hasn't happened. Honestly, like 10 days is my max. And this is now they're going to set guys up for over two weeks. Yeah. It's, unless they find something here in the next little while. It seems like they may have jumped the gun on those moves, and now they're kind of stuck on it a little bit. Um, it's a week today, isn't it? Trade deadline? 13 no, days. No, no, uh, Chickering got held out last Saturday, yeah, wasn't it? Last, so we, yeah, last weekend. So it's been yeah. a week now. And he might be out for three weeks if he goes all the way to the deadline. And he, does he play Not if you don't trade him? He takes a month off and he comes back. And and also, like, if I'm an acquiring team, it's like I kind of want you on the ice. I don't want to play you into game shape. Yeah, it depends on the team. I mean, now, if it's a team that's a firmly a contender, might just look at the final 15 games and say that'll be fine. But yeah, I get your point. I mean, it's it's not a good situation. It becomes a you know tough situation. And as far as Shen is concerned, three points tonight, 21 points on the season now, one off his career high. He's 33 and he's having a good season now. I do think, despite him having three points tonight, his play on defensive end of things. Then the last little bit has slipped. Like, he had a really strong first half of the season. Mm-hmm. The first, like, 35 games or so before we got to the halfway point. Since then, it hasn't been quite as strong. I think a lot of it is he's been, you know, forced into playing a lot more than he probably should in tougher minutes and it all kind of compounds. And there's a tough team to have perform well on, too. He did have a great defensive play when it was 2-1 in the second period. Flyers were looking for that backdoor pass, and Luke Shen stepping in front of Konechny, strong stick, took that pass away, got the puck away as well. So, again, uh, I, I do by and large agree with you that it has uh, increased and it hasn't been as solid. But, look, there's look, we always, we always say, what are you and how consistent are you with that? What is Luke Shen? He's a physical force on the back end, and he knows how to play within himself. Yeah. So what are you? How consistent are you? And if you just like look at Luke Shen's game log, and every single day it's like, well, how many hits did Luke Shen get? And it's like three, four, two, four, five, seven, nine, two. He just always bring a physical element, and the the block shots are going to be there for him as well. He's doing the type of physical work you want to see. And not being a complete drag. Because often you see the physical players trying yes. to do too much. It's all within the function of a play. And then in the mix as far as what the overall play, the flow of the play is looking like. Well, and he, one thing he does so well is make that first pass. And that's why he was successful playing as in a depth role with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And he still got into some playoff games. Because he's good at just making that one first pass out of his own zone. And 
when you're on the ice with guys like Pedersen, you make that one p- pass out, or you just make the right pass in the offensive zone, that's going to lead to some points. And and I think his ability to make the simple play effectively is an understated part of his game. I just looked it up. How many games so far? So tonight was game 55 for Luke Shen. How many games this season do you think Luke Shen has had two or less hits? Oh, uh, three. No, it's, it's it's more than that. It's eight. Eight? Okay. But two or less. Two or less. He's only had two games where he's had one hit. So he has, he's had no games and no hits? None. Yeah. He doesn't throw no hitters. Yeah. <laughs> so he's the reverse Cy Young? Yeah. He gets lit up every <laughs> he's throwing hits. Yeah. Uh, his, his, uh, yeah. his incredible strength is he never yeah. throws a no hitter. Never throws a no hitter. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650, 650. Dino, uh, this market was so starved for something to get excited about. Now Banana Gate has struck. That's a good point. Ella says, uh, what did you guys think of Connecting's cheap shot at the end of the game? We saw some of these text messages come in. I've seen some reaction on social media on it. So after Pedersen scored the second goal into an empty net, uh, and a good couple beats after he scored, Travis Connecting skates by and kind of hits him right in the chest. And uh, Shen and Miller jawed at him, went at him a little bit, but never really caught him. We'll address that. We'll talk about it a bit more on the other side. Uh, should there have been more of a response? I know some fans wanted to see it, see that. We'll discuss that. We are going to hear from Elias Pettersson coming back from the break about his desire to stay in Vancouver. Plus, we'll hear from him in full from his media availability and more of your text messages. And Ian McIntyre joining us as the Canucks Central postgame show rolls on. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Central Post Game Show, bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC, only on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm happy. Uh, it's a great city to play in. Um, obviously, it's been some down years now. Um, but all I'm focusing on now is uh, finish this season well, and then I'll deal with uh, what's ahead. Then I don't. I don't like to focus too much on what's ahead. I like to live in the moment. Canucks forward Elias Pettersson after a five-point performance sitting down with Scott Oak in Hockey Night in Canada on After Hours discussing his future, saying he loves this city but is focusing on his play this season and he is letting his play do do the talking. Goes to the All-Star game, 71 points in 66 games and we had a stat just come out by SN Stats, Bick, that says... Elias Pettersson with the fifth fastest... 70-point season in Canucks history. Pavel Bure in 92-93 in 46 games. Henrik Sedin, 2009-2010 in 49 games. Also McGillney in 49 games in 95-96. Bure, 93-94 in 52 games. And in 54 games this season, Elias Pettersson has hit the 70-point mark. And negotiations for a contract will begin this offseason because the Canucks can extend him as soon as July 1st. And the organization is... is earmarking that as a top priority. Let's just say Elias Pettersson should set his alarm for 12.01 a.m. Pacific (laughs) Standard Time on July 1. Yeah, and he says he wants to leave the talking to the offseason, and for now he's focused on his play but loves the city. And I know a lot of people have taken his comments with how he said it as a big endorsement for him wanting to stay here long term. And ultimately we'll see what happens. And I've maintained for a long time that I haven't heard that he's quote-unquote unhappy and quote-unquote once out of Vancouver and that 
there is a real pathway to a contract extension as long as the Canucks present a workable plan long term and show him the money. And with the way he's playing this season, he's going to be showing a lot of money this offseason. A lot of money. And if the Canucks, if he believes in the plan, will talk it, whatever else they do in the offseason, and if it makes sense for him, I think it's likely we see him sign a huge contract extension in July. That would kick in the following season. Yes. But that's the planning this team has to try to do. And that's why I look at you know certain contract buyouts that we've discussed, certain uh, other contracts that we've talked about getting off of in, in, in the trade market to clear out what 23... Uh, or sorry, what 2024-25 season looks like, because once that contract kicks in, and then that's the, the window, right? Yeah. You get this massive deal locked up. You still have Quinn Hughes locked in until 2027. This team has talked about, you know, somewhere in that two- to three-year range when it starts to swing back towards contention, or at least massive progress, and you're back in the playoff picture. Once you get that big pillar locked in, your number one center. Mm-hmm. How will that look? Well, and that's the thing that does change things. And we are going to play Elias Patterson's post-game media availability. Uh, he also did a scrum before heading out and, and chatting on After Hours. That'll come up in, in just a, a few moments' time. Brandon Apoko gets in on the jokes per 60. The Canucks actually won. Watch out, Minnesota. Vancouver is now only 15 points back of that second wild card spot. And Thank Brand- goodness there's an emoji at the end of this yes. with the, Brand- the wink. And-, and I said jokes per 60. Yeah. And, I mean, somebody texted in on the pregame show and said, hey, I'm not saying they have a chance, but mathematically, what would they have to do to make the postseason? For them to get the 96 points, they have to win 24 out of their final 26 games. Yeah. And the Canucks are in a point where, to even entertain the idea of making the playoffs, they got to win out. And that might not be good <laughs> enough. Like, the, the playoff <laughs> bar right now is 94 points. We'll see if that even increases closer to the end of season. If they win out, they get to 100 points. Like, the Canucks can max out at 100 points right now. Uh, Yes. <laughs> I just Sorry, I didn't mean you. to laugh. I didn't mean to laugh. <laughs> Why not? It is pretty funny. Uh, this one, 650-650, <laughs> unsigned text. Would you guys not mind Brock staying if he got closer to rookie Brock, or do you just want him gone for the sake of the team overall? So, again, it's it's a very valid question. The thing is, it's not necessarily even just about the evaluation of Brock Besser. It's what's surrounded him now. It's Look, when when he was rookie Brock, who else was there? Well, yeah, but but as, he, as far as wingers, but he, but yeah, sure, there weren't when Daniel Sedin. Okay, <laughs> right. Again, like the final year of Daniel. That's Sedin. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm not, that's not. That's saying like I, it's a I great mean, thing. as far as like what the future looks like. Yeah, there, yeah. there wasn't there was a lot nobody, of talent. Yeah. Sven Berchi was earmarked for something. You're competing with Kuzmenko, Kuzmenko, Mikheyev, Bovillier, Bovillier put Coles in, Hoaglander maybe Garland. Uh... I feel like maybe JT Miller along the yeah, wing. If he Look plays at all way. these different people that you're competing with. So even if you get back to a rookie status of Brock Besser, or even, to be honest, North Division year of Brock Besser, you still might be sixth or seventh on the depth chart just along the wings. Yeah. And at that stage, it just says, should we be paying 6.65 for our seventh best winger? That's unfair. I get it, even if you start progressing. But, but such is just the reality. It, you, you have to constantly improve in this league because – the team is always looking to find new talent. And, and all that's happened in four years for Brock Besser, five years for Brock Besser, is guys have been flushed into this organization. Well, not only that, but also the whole notion of him getting back to looking and showing the promise of rookie Brock Besser. 
I don't. I mean, that's like saying, would you would you rather not buy out OEL if you get OEL as a Norris candidate from five years ago, six years ago? Of course, but that's not happening. You know, and I just don't know if that's being realistic. And I'm not trying to run him out of town. Mm-hmm. Of course, if a player plays well and fits in, like, hey, all I want to see is this team win big. That's all I care about. This team finding a way to win, mm-hmm. however, however, whatever that looks like. Is that is the best way to move Brock? Probably, to be honest. If there's a world where it could work with him and they win, great. I'd love to see it. I just have a hard time picturing, picturing, picturing it at the moment. He's essentially in a competition with... Connor Garland and Bovillier. Yeah. Is like who will be the next winger transaction. 100%. Hey, someone's going to win. Someone's going to stick. But just look at the profile of guys that they've acquired Mikheyev, Kuzmenko. O- along the wings here, e- even someone like Studnika, right? He's got some pace to him. Which players don't have some pace to them? And then throw in Bovillier. Yeah. It's Garland and Brock Besser. Don't quite fit the profile. Yeah. And they make a decent amount of money. The question is how easy easy or difficult is it to move that money, and that's a big part of the equation. Now, we'll go to the audio from Pedersen in a moment here, but this text says, LOL, don't the Islanders have to do something to that extent in reality to make the playoffs in terms of the type of run they have to make? We were joking about the Canucks having to win 24 of their last 26 it's games not far off from the to truth. get the 96 points. And, yeah, you may look at it and say, well, they have 63 points. They're technically by, by points, not by, not by point percentage, by points in the second wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. But when you factor in the fact they've played in 59 games and they have 23 games remaining on the season, for them to get to what's the cutoff to make the playoffs, let's say 94 points. It's a little lower in the East, I believe. I think the the cutoff might be like 91 points. Let's just say 92 for argument's sake. Mm -hmm. So for 92 points... For them to get the ninety-two points, that means they got to get twenty-nine out of their. They got to get twenty-nine points in their last twenty-three games, which is not significant. It's not the same as the Canucks, right? Like the Canucks have to have to go on, on an incredible tear. But you're talking about that team having to be at least five games over five hundred. It's tough. It's gonna be tough. I haven't really quite looked at their schedule here. I'll try to bring it up in just a second to gauge what it might look like, but. If it's a lot of divisional games, the the end of season, which obviously you would expect, uh, it's not an easy division for them to play in. Uh, so it's going to be tough to to try to make up some ground here. So They're all on pace for 88 points as a team right now. Yeah. Um, look, they play Pittsburgh uh, coming up on uh, Monday, Winnipeg, L.A. Kings, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Detroit, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Washington, L.A., Anaheim. Yeah, it's... Gets a little easier. Uh, they play Columbus, Buffalo, uh, New Jersey, Washington, Tampa, Carolina, Tampa, Philly, Washington, Montreal. Like that's tough, man. It's not easy. It's not an easy schedule. They don't have to quite go on the same tier as Vancouver has to go, but they don't have a ton of games they can lose. So, uh, uh, when why are we talking about the Islanders? Well, the Canucks have the Islanders draft pick, and if they don't make the playoffs, the Canucks may get their pick this season if it's not in the top twelve, and even if it is in the top twelve. It could be their picks. They currently have the 12th best lottery odds, so there you go. Over under um, 12 and a half. What is their draft slot? Oh, under. So you think they finished 12? Yeah, or like 11? Yeah. Wow. Is that skeptical? I am skeptical. They can't get to ten. I, I think there's too much of a gap between them and Ottawa. Ottawa's got fifty six points. Probably. Right now. But I can see them like especially if the, if it starts falling apart or like when it becomes obvious, then it becomes just like a 
a bit of a dive just down the middle, down the end. Barzell, I think, uh, listed as day-to-day. He left the game earlier today. Kind of looked like an innocuous play. He kind of had it coming together uh, on the side boards. Maybe a bit of a knee-on-knee. But uh, we'll see if that's a potential issue for their lineup. Yeah, I mean... Could be a bit of a problem for that team. Matthew Barzal getting knocked down, and we'll see where Bo Horvat can help that team as they try to get into the postseason. Now, uh, we'll get back to more of your text messages, and we are going to chat with Ian McIntyre coming up in a few minutes' time. We mentioned Elias Pedersen, who met with the media before he he uh, scampered over to speak, speak with Scott Oak and John Garrett, and here is Elias Pedersen game. Have you ever scored uh, two shorthanded empty net goals in the same game before? No, I don't think it's ever happened. Um... <laughs> But, yeah, I'll take it. Quite the way to hit a new career high in points. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, obviously something that was on my mind when I got close to the point. Um, but have we got the win, and obviously happy for Arthur to get his first time, shall we? You know that he was going back into the net tonight. How important was it for you guys to try and get that win? Uh, I mean, like you said, uh, wanted to get the win for him. Uh, I think last game we didn't defend. Uh, good enough and we didn't help him but he still kept us in the game and today I think we, it was better effort um, our defensive game was better uh, obviously there's all stuff to work on but uh, uh, step in the right direction Bovillier scores a couple of goals tonight as well how much have you liked the fit with him on your line? It's been great so far I mean he's he's fast he makes plays uh, and he yeah he finds the finds the area to score goals so uh, it's fun to play with Seems like it sounds like uh, all three of you have really kind of developed a chemistry over the last few weeks here. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, uh, we tried to play fast, um, and um, someone, someone makes a mistake, you, you, I, no, I can't find a word, but we, we, uh, we play good uh, together, all three of us, and uh, we're trying to grow uh, each day and every game. No, he got his, uh, he got his stuff going, I'll, I'll stick to my routine. <laughs> <laughs> That's Elias Pedersen after the game, uh, and and Bix just can't get like he's not happy. He's like, no, I just, <laughs> hey, look, whatever gets people juiced up, good for them. I just, we've seen athletes eat bananas before. <laughs> I'm just, just flummoxed why this is a thing. Bananas, man, it's bananas. B a n a n a. It's not like it's not like they had to a trainer. It's not like a trainer had to like leave the arena to go to Costco next door and be like, I need a banana because Michael needs one. That's a story. That's fun. It's clearly they're prepared for this scenario. <laughs> a banana on the bench, man. It's not, it's not that serious. Uh, this text, unsigned. Another stat. Out of the top 20 point getters in the NHL, only Carlson, Petey, and Crosby have less than 20 power play points. To add that, McDavid has 50 points on the power play of his to his 101 total points so 101 points it should break my brain it's, in, it's insane uh, he's having the north division year he just is not in the north division yeah he's got 31 more he's, points. he's, got 30 he's traveling all over the country remember we were like oh he's only playing he's in Canada party. it's like he's playing all the hard teams <laughs> he's traveling everywhere it's like yeah I'll just put up 100 points no big deal here you go 101 he's got 30 more points than Elias Pedersen so far it's, it's, it's a mind-boggling stat a number for for Connor McDavid and what he's doing this funny? season. We can't even say like, can you do it in the playoffs? It's, it's like, like, yeah, he's already he, done that. Yeah, I mean, he almost like <laughs> almost went to the <laughs> Stanley Cup final. finals. Oh, they 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 lost in the conference final against the Colorado, but I yeah. mean, just an incredible performance. They needed Kale McCarr to slow him down. Um, I see 
some people are asking, there's a question um, about Elias Pettersson. Where does he rank among centers in the National Hockey League? He's in the top 10. <sighs> I think he's in a group with tier-wise. So I, I, think, tier? I think in a tier-wise, it's like McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon, Dry, Silo, Crosby. I'm partial to Sasha Barkov, so I'll throw him yeah. in that group. And then it's this group of Braden Point, Jack Eichel, Patterson, Aho, Jack Hughes, Bergeron. I'm going to throw Rupe Hints in there because I'm partial to him. Tage Thompson, maybe you want to throw in there. Yeah. Maybe Dry Sidle goes in the McDavid pile. Yeah. Um, maybe you want to throw uh, Dylan Larkin in there. Uh, Panarin. Center? Oh, yeah, center. Sorry. Uh, uh a Zibanejad. Zibanejad. Yeah, like again, I me personally, I think it's Larkin nine to thirteen, somewhere in that range, whatever to your preference. Uh, maybe it's eight, but it's look, he's got a chance to break through into that next group uh, next yep. season, and that's the exciting bit: seeing guys level up. Right? We've seen Quinn Hughes kind of jump levels, and now he's kind of making that same trying to push to get into the top level of. You know, top five, yeah. top six left-handed D. Uh, both guys doing it simultaneously. That's how you level up. Heck, we saw Thatcher Demko yeah. do that last year, where he's pushing that conversation of top three uh, next to Vasilevsky and Shesterkin. That's what you want. Guys jumping up and other guys following suit as well, saying, okay, this guy's doing this. we got to start start pulling our weight as well. Well, and, you know, Pedersen's sitting here with 71 points in 54 games, which puts him fourth amongst all centers in the National Hockey League in scoring. Real nice. It's not bad. Real nice. It's pretty good. And again, we're still talking about it. It's like, wow, there's a lot more there. Oh, like, imagine there when is. they get stronger overall play. More more consistent wingers next to them. And you see this version of, you know, once the, the plan is put in by the coaching staff and what it looks like, Overall, and there's a bit more fluidity and consistency yeah. to knowing how they want to play. What does that version of it look like? Oh, 100%, right? I mean, and that's the version that I'm most excited to see, right? That's the the fully evolved, all-impact type of player that you want to see. And if he, ta- if he gets himself to that level, that's that gets really exciting. I think that's really what we should truly be trying to get towards. And um, we had this text from Colin in the Caribou asking, um, Elias Pettersson, uh, in terms of blocked shots, where is he? He's sixth in the National Hockey League this year amongst NHL forwards, Bick, in, in blocked shots. And I, I know somebody was asking us, I'll try to bring these up in a second, was asking us... Um, uh, where Bo Horvat ranks in blocked shots. That was calling the Caribou trying to ask about that as well. We'll try to bring that up, but I think it's impressive that Elias Patterson though, is a sixth forward in the entire National Hockey League blocking shots. And, by the way, um, just looking at Patterson's production since Rick Tockett has arrived, 10-game sample now, 17 points. That's second in the league. Is that good? I think that's good. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> it's really, really good. Second in the league. So this isn't even a case of, hey, you're a... Uh, Low event coach, and I'll play to that. No, you're getting your opportunities to put up points, and right now he's got 17 points. There's always a hot streak coming for for Elias Pettersson, and right now he's certainly in one. Again, uh, that is uh, a torrid pace. Only Artemi Panarin 
uh, ahead of him, who had the good fortune of playing the Vancouver Canucks as well. Yeah, so. he did. Uh, had himself quite the night the other That's evening. what makes it really impressive about Pedersen. He can't even play the Canucks. No, he can't. Uh, all right. It is now time to bring in the star of the postgame show, the man we call the closer, laughing at big jokes, the man we call the triple threat. You saw him on TV. You hear him on radio. You read him on digital. He is Ian McIntyre. I'm always laughing around Vic. Sometimes it's his jokes. <laughs> Sometimes it's... So yes. you're laughing. No. Laughter is the best medicine. We could all use some covering this team, no? Oh, yeah. That's what I try to bring to the post-game show. I've decided. That's my that's my mandate. To bring the jokes? Bring some humor. Some levity. Some levity. We've been needing it so far this season, some levity. Although tonight... And most of the last 53 years. Yes. <laughs> but I haven't been on the post-game show that long. It just feels that way. It has. I mean, the last three years have really felt like a decade almost. Is that a playoff beard you've got going? No. It's just it looks beard. thicker than normal. Does it? I'm wondering if you're growing it until the Canucks make the playoffs. Well, if I did that, my beard would <laughs> probably reach my <laughs> knees by now. <laughs> uh, I, I, now... As far as the Sat game Van goes. Winkle. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> good one, Vic. That's, that's a good one. Uh, I'm out of here. <laughs> well, we are getting towards the end of the show. So diving right into it because of the uh, just just getting towards it here. The Canucks win 6-2, but the story of the game is Elias Pettersson, isn't it? You know, five-point performance, two into the empty net, but he could have easily had five points at even strength this evening. Well, it's not the story of the game for me because I, I just filed a thousand words on Arthur oh, Silovs. So there you go. Yeah, it's it's one of those two. It's either Silovs. And or you know why I wrote about Silovs for the same reason I enjoy Bick's humor because we all need some some laugh. We need to feel good yeah. about something because often things seem to suck around <laughs> around this team. Uh, I thought Silovs was great, but obviously Pedersen. I, I guess the way I look at Ilias is it you know nothing surprises me I've seen yeah. him play at an elite level not just <clears throat> this year but I think Vic you were going through his scoring totals last 13 months were you I came in mid-sentence uh, so I didn't know what you were talking Rick about since Rick Talk has arrived since Talk has arrived well over the last 13 months uh, he had since basically he, he turned around his season last mm -hmm. year under Boudreaux He's got 115 points. <laughs> like it's pretty this, good. This is a this is a superstar player. So nothing he does really surprises me. And uh, frankly, I thought it was a quiet five points, you know, with the two into the empty net. But he is he was great and and has been great for this team all year. I hope they can re-sign him. Well, it's now 120 points. 120 points since the start of last February. Uh, I I looked at from from January 18th of last okay. year. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I'll I, go with that. That's well, that's 13 months. Right. Yeah, because yeah. January 18th is when he really yes. started to, to kick yeah. on. 120. In 96 games. It's pretty good. Well, no, if you think about that a second, just, sorry, how many games? 80? 96. Okay, so obviously more than a season. Yeah. But a little more than one calendar year. You know, no Canucks ever had 120 points. What did Burry have, 107? I think so, but and he had the and, most in a season. And Henrik, the year that he won... The Art Ross and the Hart Trophy. With 2010. I'll bring that up. In 112? A something like that? Yeah, 112. 112. So that's probably, the, that's probably the... Who says my memory's going now that I'm old? That's terrific. So. 112. Anyway. That's, the, that's the career yeah. high. Petey's been great for a while. I like that I like that line. I, I thought this was Beauvillier's best game. Mm -hmm. And not just for a couple of... 
deflections, one he admitted he, he really knew nothing about. <laughs> if you're trying to block a, a or sorry, deflect an Elias Pettersson one-timer from about 20 feet in front of the launch point, you're probably yeah. not going to have much time to react. But I thought I thought he was very good at getting in on pucks, hounding mm-hmm. pucks, which is you know what he was known for on the island. I also thought it was was interesting because I wrote about. Beauvillier the other day and I asked Talkett about him because it's not always a good thing when you put a third line player on on your first line because it raises an expectation we've seen it before you know whether it's Mm. you know Tyler Myers is going to be a first pairing defenseman or or Brandon Sutter is going to be a second line center when you take someone who hasn't done that and you declare that Mm. they're that it doesn't mean that they are and sometimes it sets them up to fail but I, I loved what Talkett said, that he, he doesn't, you know, might be on the first line, but he can play a third-line game. Mm-hmm. You know, make playing straight lines and be hard on, fast to the puck and and strong on the puck yeah. when you get there and play a simple game, play a north-south game, which is one of his top ten catchphrases. So, yeah. And I thought Beauvillier did that tonight. It's nice to see Kuzmenko kind of play his way. I, I don't know that he was ever in Talkett's doghouse. It's no. just Talkett... W- w- what we know about him already is that he's he's got high expectations for how guys should try to play. Not necessarily the execution. Mm-hmm. Like you'll live with mistakes, certain mistakes, but he wants people to play the right way. And there was too much East-West in Kizmenko's game for Talkett for you know three or four games there. Well, it's nice that that Kizmenko's playing more, and what's what's really reassuring about that is he he's earned more. This isn't a case where the coach caved in and said, "Well, this guy's such a good goal scorer, I better play him more." Yeah. It's because Kizmenko has adjusted his game, and that's really important because I think Tockett's going to be here a while. I think I think he's prepared to outweigh the players, yeah. you know, so until they play the right way. And if it's not going to be these players, then it'll be. It'll be different players next year, but the these guys have the advantage of having the opportunity to show that they can they can play that way. And with the team just resigning Kuzmenko to the two-year bridge deal for 11 million, it's mm. it's it's reassuring that he has done enough to change his game already. That Talkett has a lot more confidence in him. The thing I like about Beauvillier too on that line is now it's a second player that kind of makes proof of concept of just be a fast guy and, and obviously the north-south north south element and McKay have always had success there now Bovillier now you can create the cycle of if it does happen that there's players that have to go up and down the lineup it's, we know what obviously works with Elias Pettersson and you can start targeting that profile player elsewhere along your lineup too well and it's not only what works with Pettersson again uh, what works with Rick Talkett mm-hmm. is more important than what works with Pedersen. I know a lot of people will disagree with that, but he is the guy choosing the lineup. Yeah. And, you know, Beauvillier is playing that way. Mikheyev, I think, we think, is going to be a guy that Talkett will like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why is Phil DiGiuseppe having, you know, the greatest moment of his Vancouver career these last two weeks? Because he plays the way that Talkett wants mm-hmm. guys to play and is getting rewarded for it. And... I think they need to build that kind of dependability and consistency into a lot of players' games. And I, I, I don't think it should, you know, they should all be, you know, clone troopers or anything. And, yeah. and they're all the same guy. Um, although it would be kind of cool yeah, if they were, were wearing the clone trooper yeah. That would armor. look pretty cool, yeah. <laughs> 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 Running around with, like, white helmets. Uh, 
But uh, you know, the, the, this is what talk it wants. So, 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 so if it's Beauvillier on the first line, but he can do that on the second line, or he can do that on the third yeah. line, and the same thing we saw Giuseppe do it on the fourth line. Now he's on the second line. That's what you want. Prescribed and roles, that guys like interchangeability, yeah. because there's some consistency, there's some dependability to what those guys are going to do. But also team building, getting guys that fit a certain style and have that alignment so you can play that style with your coach. Thank and you. And that brings me back to Arthur Sillox and team you know, building. And that's perfect because I wanted to uh, let you finish off here on Arthur Sillox, your great piece, which is going to be up on Sports. You don't know that it's a great piece. It always is a great piece. That's okay. what I've come to expect right. from your writing. So that's, that's what I'm citing, really. But, yeah, well, your thoughts on Arthur Sillox, who gets his first win, and I don't think any of us expected him to – play this season, let alone maybe pick up his first victory in the National Hockey League this season, but here we are. Because of all the things that are swirling around, and because Silovs is very much just a prospect, yeah. right? This isn't this isn't Thatcher Demko or Corey Schneider intended and groomed for greatness from mm -hmm. the time he came into the organization. He's a six-round pick from a country that until tonight had only had five guys ever play in the National Hockey League, two of which have goal. played, it. and two of which have played for the Canucks. two of which have played for the Canucks. That's right, Scudrin and Urbe. And Urbe was just well, they were both good guys, but Archie Urbe was one of my favorite players. He was only here for a, a bit of a keen season, yeah, but, <laughs> but he played a lot while he was here. Yeah. But I don't think you know, w with everything going on, maybe people appreciate how incredible it is that Arthur Silovs at age twenty-one is now playing NHL games and just won an NHL game. This was a guy who had played 21 pro games in his first two seasons. Mm. Yeah. And and last year s spent half of his limited time, limited playing time in the East Coast League, even started this season as, as the backup in yeah. – in Abbotsford, you know, Colin Delia was there. Spencer Martin was here. Mike DiPietro was also in the Mike, mix. That's right. He was he was vying with Mike DiPietro, yeah. and of course, it became clear early yeah. on that DiPietro was going to be the odd man, mm -hmm. the odd man out. Who, by the way, is now apparently lighting it up in the in the ECHL. So good for Mike. Good for him. Honestly, he, good kid. I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah. It wasn't going to work out here. But I mean, so and then all of a sudden here's Siloff. So he's played. He, he's won 21 yeah. games this year. Not. <laughs> played 21 he's won 21 games this year and we're only at february the guys down in the minors love him i talked briefly after the game to di giuseppe who's mm -hmm. one of several players now on this canuck team who has played with him in the minors and and everybody likes the guy and and ryan johnson i told this story on tv with you sat mm -hmm. big uh, sat and i are on tv <laughs> oh okay and i i, I told that i told this story on tv <laughs> very how, cool for you guys you know ryan ryan johnson um you know, he, he gets the pleasure of making these calls. And however difficult, you know, these jobs are when you're trying to when you're trying to uh, groom players mm -hmm. and find players, it's got to be one of the best part of your job when you get to call a young guy yeah. and say you're going to get a chance playing in the NHL. And he says everybody, there's all kinds of reactions. Some guys just start screaming. They're so excited. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Really? Yeah. Oh, I can't believe it. Uh, some, sometimes there's just silence because – they're trying to process it, yeah. <laughs> and, and and there's emotion right. sometimes, you guys. And, and so I said, well, what was it like with, with Silovs? He said it was something like, okay, that's good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because he's just so, so, even. so even keel, and that's one of the things Di Giuseppe said about him as mm -hmm. well. He, he's such a calm guy, and, and Di Giuseppe said as well, I, I like this. He said, 
it's it's remarkable how far he's come in the last year and a half and he's only 21 hmm. so if he can if he can improve that much in a year and a half you can sit back and see where where he might go now like he he DiGiuseppe thinks he's a, a, a real prospect not just a, a cute story right now but it is it's nice with all the all the bleakness around this team mm-hmm. that at least for one night guys are guys are all smiling yeah. and they're happy uh for sellouts because this is a memory literally a memory for a lifetime we use that term a lot but this literally is one of those markers in your life when you're uh trying to be a professional hockey player that you're never going to forget saturday night hockey night in canada beating the Philadelphia Flyers here. Especially after losing the first game of his career and then bouncing it back the way he did. Great for the kid and a good story for a season that hasn't had too many good stories for the Vancouver Canucks. And this brings us to the end, Ian. Great stuff as always. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca. And we'll be back to chat about all things Canucks coming up next week anyways. Canucks go back on a quick two-game road trip. Are you heading out? I am. I'll be phoning you from Nashville and St. Louis. Looking forward to it. So we we'll chat. That's with a you. long way to go for two row games. Yeah, I would say. I, I know when I looked at the schedule, that one's kind of like caught me off guard. And then there's they come back for a game against the Bruins, and then they fly to Dallas for a game, and then come back against Minnesota. It's yeah, a bit so, of a so weird that, schedule. So that Bruin game against one of the best teams in years is guaranteed win night, is it? Between these two road trips, <laughs> yeah, could be right, especially with how that game yeah. squeezed in. But hey, uh, as the Canucks are plunging down the standings, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world based on how a lot of people feel about where the games are at. But the Canucks win this one, 6-2 over the Flyers. He's Ian McIntyre. Great work as always. He's Bick Nazar. Check him out on the People Show on Monday, 3-4 to four on Sportsnet 650. Thanks to Lena here at the rink. Thanks to Josh back at the radio station. I'm Satyar Shaw back at Canucks Central on Monday. And thank you all for listening and being part of the Canucks Central postgame show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.